and welcome to mini episode 170 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am in a different recording location at the moment, so I am cat-sitting for some friends. So if you hear any background noises that you think, oh, that's a strange noise, I haven't heard that one before, then don't worry about it, I'm just in a different location. And I have four spooky stories for you today, and the last story comes from February the 18th, 2022, and story number one comes from Jennifer. When I was about 21 years old, a friend of mine was getting married. She decided she didn't want to have the normal night out on the town for her hen do, with the penis straws, the costumes and the usual shenanigans. She decided instead to have a fancy pants meal at her house and book a couple of psychic mediums to come and do readings for people. I'd never visited a medium before, but I was game for it, even though I was a bit of a sceptic. Being 21 and only having a part-time bar job, I didn't exactly have a lot of spare cash, so I only paid to see one, as it was £30 a pop. Earlier in the evening, I'd said to my friend they'd have to do a lot to impress me, as I didn't really know any dead people, so there wouldn't really be anybody to come through to see me. I was interested to know if he'd try and potentially go down the dead grandmother-grandfather route, as the chances of someone my age having a dead grandparent were probably the best bet to be true. Both my sets of grandparents were still very much alive though. When I went through to see him, we said hello, I sat down, and there was silence for around 30 seconds. He then said, Okay, so you're not expecting anyone that you know to come through to see you, are you? That's okay, we still have plenty to talk about. Now, there's no way he could have known this ahead of my reading, as I had only voiced it to one friend on the drive over to the house. He went on to talk about my life, pretty generic stuff if you ask me, nothing too impressive considering his first comment had really grabbed my attention. Then he said, There's a little girl stood behind you who has just come through with you today. And I thought, Yeah, not possible, pal. I don't know any dead little girls. Try again. And almost like he could read my mind, he then said, No, no, you don't know her. She's just with you. He went on to say that he couldn't get anything from her about who she was. He felt she had just attached herself to me because she liked my energy as a person and felt protected. I didn't argue. I am pretty damn fun and caring. He said sometimes she likes to play games and will hide things. So if something is ever missing and you're sure you put it somewhere... Just ask out loud for her to put it back and she will. I left the session feeling pretty impressed. Okay, Mr. Medium, couple of comments that impressed me and a nice little girl ghost story. But other than that, I didn't really think much about it. About two weeks later, I was sitting in the flat I shared with my best friend. We'd only been living there for about two months and she was away on a camping trip for the weekend. The door to my bedroom was this massive frosted glass door. I hated it because even though you couldn't see through it, you could see shadows when someone was in there, so it didn't feel completely private. When we moved into the flat, the frosted door was filthy, so I'd cleaned it from top to bottom with glass spray, and I know I cleaned it to within an inch of its life, making sure all the streaks and marks were gone. It was dark in the living room and the TV was on. I stood up, turned around and walked to get a drink from the kitchen. Everything was open plan. When the light from the TV shone on the frosted door and illuminated a mark. It was a handprint. A child-sized handprint. 
like I said, I know I had cleaned that door from top to bottom until it was spotless and we hadn't had any children in the flat. I freaked, rang my friend to tell her she needed to come back from her camping trip. She of course told me I was being ridiculous and I'd probably just missed it while I was cleaning. But I know I didn't. Another time I had a stinking cold and I was sleeping with an Albus oil inhaler pretty much in my hand or under my pillow so I had access to it all through the night to clear my airways. I woke up one morning and it wasn't there. I'd usually wake up with it in my hand or it would be in my pillowcase somewhere in the general bed area. It was nowhere. Not down the side of the bed, not in the duvet, not on the floor. I couldn't find it for toffee. I didn't even think about asking out loud for the little girl to put it back. I just assumed it was gone and it was unexplainable. Later that day, my then boyfriend came around and I had asked him to bring me another inhaler. He went into my bedroom to change and shouted, Jane, the albasoil inhaler is on your bedside table. Are you losing it? I walked in and there it was. Just sat right on the bedside table. There is no way I would have missed that if it had been sat there the entire time. It was placed perfectly on the middle of my bedside table next to my bed. Fast forward to maybe eight months later, I was booked to go on a ghost hunting night in an old Victorian school with my friend for her birthday. Again, all previous thoughts of the little girl ghost were firmly out of my mind when we embarked on the evening. The evening was split into four sections. Firstly, you'd get an overview of the school and its history and a welcome talk from one of the team hosting the event. Then we were split into three groups and you'd make your way around the school room by room trying different activities like Ouija boards, etc. The first hour or so was pretty uneventful, and then it was our turn to have a go on the Ouija board. There was about six of us in my group, and two of them were my close friends. As we started the Ouija board, the planchette began to slowly move and respond to our questions. The medium running the Ouija board session was asking lots of questions to try and determine which spirit had come through. There were a few regular spirits at their ghost hunting nights in this school. So I assume she was expecting one of those. You know, the usual tropes, caretaker who hung himself, headmaster who was evil, etc, etc. When she couldn't get anything along those lines, she asked instead, Is the spirit with us now not a spirit that usually resides, but a spirit that has come along with someone here tonight? And the planchette moved rapidly to yes. More questions followed. Are you with someone at the table now? Yes. Can you move the planchette towards who it is that you're with so we know? Yes. Move it now towards the person you are with. The planchette moved straight over to where I was sat, off the board, and stopped right in front of me. It was the freakiest thing I've ever experienced. After that, we were all keen to end the session and have a break for a cup of tea and a biscuit. The next section of the evening was a seance type thing around a big old oak table in the old dining hall. When we got into the full swing of it, the medium said she had a spirit through of a little girl who appeared to be from around the Victorian era. And yep, you've guessed it, she was attached to me. This part wasn't really very scary, she just explained the reasons that this little girl had attached herself to me and they were dead on. The same reasons the medium at the Hindu had given me about eight months beforehand. She liked my energy, she felt safe with me, etc, etc. The lady at this seance also told me that the little girl had been an orphan and had worked in a factory 
She also lived in the factory, as her payment for her work was a roof over her head and food. This was super interesting to me because the flat I lived in at the time, the one where I saw the child's handprint, was built on the site of some of Nottingham's old lace factories that had been demolished to make way for flats. And my mum's house, where I'd lived before moving into this flat, was also on the site of some historic factories. So who knows where she attached herself to me, but it could have been in either place. In all honesty, I don't know if the experiences in the flat were just coincidences, and my mind linked them to what the first medium had said, because I was looking for signs of this little girl ghost. If I was, it's a pretty huge coincidence that the second mediums I saw said the exact same things, and the stories linked up perfectly based on where I lived, etc. I'm not sure if I'm a believer in ghosts or not, and I haven't had any ghostly experiences with this little girl ghost since. So who knows if she was even real, and if she was, where she went, or if she's even still with me. Oh, I loved this story. So first of all, I just want to say that on the topic of losing things, I am somebody who loses things all of the time, and I find them all the time in the place where I've looked a million times, and the place where I've sworn it definitely isn't there. It happens to me all the time. It recently happened to me with my remote control for my house. I like looked for it for ages and ages and ages. And it was literally next to me on the windowsill. Where it had been the entire time. I think sometimes when you're looking for something. You get like a, a blindness to that thing. Especially if you're like frantically looking for it. Or looking for it for a long time. So I'm not just trying to dismiss your story about the inhaler. I think in some ways I'm trying to make myself feel better. Because I lose stuff all the time. Like daily. And I just need to know that it is because of my own stupidity rather than being haunted because I don't want to be haunted by anything or anyone. Thank you very much. I know that there are lots of psychic mediums who listen to this podcast and I've told you guys enough about my experiences with psychic mediums that at this stage, I don't really know what to believe when it comes to psychic mediums. I've had some really accurate readings and I've had some readings that have been wildly inaccurate and I think it's kind of touch and go depending on the psychic medium that you go to and I do think there are some psychic mediums who are out there to earn some money. With that being said it's very strange that the first psychic medium said it was a ghost of a little girl wasn't connected to you was just following you around because she liked your energy and then eight months later a psychic medium says the same thing and then says the thing about the factories. That's the bit that got it for me. Is the bit about the factory. Oh, she was a Victorian little girl. She was very sad. She worked in a factory, yada, yada, yada. But then you lived on a site where a factory was. That's weird. That is weird. Although in fairness, it sounds like it's pretty innocuous. You know, it doesn't sound like she's trying to mess with you or, you know, she's just sort of there in your life. Kind of love it. And story number two comes from Shocking. Right, I don't know if I've said that correctly. I did a little bit of a Google to see if I could pronounce it correctly and I'm not sure if I did. They also left a second name, Johan, if I was unable to pronounce the first. So there you go. I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but I tried. I was about eight years old at a friend's house. We were home alone, me, my friend and another friend, listening to some Metallica in his room. I only remember it was Metallica because that started my whole life as a metalhead. All of a sudden, we heard banging, like a lot of banging from the cabinets in the kitchen, like someone opening and slamming them over and over again, and multiple cabinets at the same time. We did what any brave 8-10 year old boys do in such a situation. We ran the fuck out of the house, didn't think to check the cabinets. 
since this was a long time ago, I'm turning 33 this year. This may very well be one of those things that I remember, but was actually different. My second story is around nine years ago. I have three stories from this place, and I even called her today to see if my memory was the same as hers. I was at my then-girlfriend's house. We were sleeping in a small cottage outside of the main house, and we were alone. She was in the cottage while I was alone in the house showering. When I started to dry myself, I suddenly heard music from a children's toy. It gave me the creeps. But as they had quite a few kids and cats, I figured there must be a cat in the bathroom hiding somewhere, and it touched a toy. There wasn't. I hummed the song all the way to the cottage and asked her to come and help me find the toy. There wasn't one. Now I need to add that in that bathroom they had their stillborn baby for a while before the burial. Apparently that's a thing that you're allowed to do with stillborns. Another time I was again alone in the main house. My girlfriend was out riding. I'd been sitting in front of their computer on the second floor in the same position for about an hour or so. All of a sudden, a toy car started moving back and forth beside me, and I hadn't moved. Shortly after, there was a loud bang from one of the rooms, like someone threw a controller or something. Went and checked, and there was nothing, no cat, nothing on the floor, nothing. I then called my girlfriend and told her it was time for her to come home. The first time I spent the night there, I woke up in the middle of the night from my own scream. I dreamed that some old hag, I don't think it was the hag, just sprinted up to me and screamed in my face. It wasn't sleep paralysis, as I said, I know it was just a dream. I told my girlfriend about it and it turned out that more people have had the same dream in that house. Now fast forward to 2018. I live in my own house built in 1943. I've had a few occurrences but I can rationalise some of them. But a few of them are just plain weird. For instance, I have the living area on the second floor. The first floor is just the entrance, furnace room, laundry room and an old sauna. I do get the creeps in that entrance level, but nothing major. One time, however, one time when I was at the start of the stairs walking up, I heard three distinct knocks from the inside of the sauna door. No one in there, obviously. Another time, me and my son, who was two years old at that point, came home. I lived there by myself. When entering, he looked into the corner of the laundry room waved and said hey hey with a smile now kids do weird shit but still that was scary sometimes i hear rumbling in the dishes etc but then i just say yes thank you i know i need to take care of it i do feel silly though seeing as i don't really believe in the paranormal but i'm also not a non-believer i'm sort of an agnostic i'd say with that being said my experiences are real and i can't explain them I also can't say for sure that they're paranormal. They happened, and that's about it. If it's a ghost or just me seeing connections that aren't there, I don't know. Kudos to the Metallica listening. I'm a massive Metallica fan, so I respect the Metallica listening. Also, kudos to little eight-year-old you guys legging it out of the house. That is the way to deal with anything that you don't know what it is. Just run. Run away from it. It doesn't matter what it is. There is something that is just so inherently creepy about any of those kids' toys that play songs, those creepy little jingly sort of tinkly songs. They're so scary. I mean, is it horror movies that have made them so scary over the years? I don't know. But I would not be going back to check where that toy was coming from. I'd be like, that was the cat. And that's it. That's all I'd I'd say. That's all I'd do with it. I'd just be like, that was the cat. The end. 
definitely sounds like there was some weird poltergeist stuff going on in that house. And listen, nothing scares me more than having people say that multiple people have dreams about the same thing in the same house. It gives me the ick when I hear that I absolutely hate it. And you know what? Sometimes it's acceptable to drop kick your kid out the window. Okay. And story number three comes from Alice. My family pretty much accepts that we have at least one ghost in our house. We live in an old long house in the Scottish borders, which had to be totally gutted when my parents bought it in the 90s. Originally, the house was three separate buildings, an animal shed at one end, a farmhouse in the middle, and then a blacksmith's forge on the end. They have found some pretty creepy things in the two end buildings, one such thing being an actual honest-to-God cauldron. The house was pretty much falling down when my parents bought it, so they essentially rebuilt the inside. During this time, tools would go missing and move around, and friends and family members would describe the feeling of being watched when they visited my parents there. Both my mom and dad worked shifts as policeman and a nurse, so were often tired, and would put the moving tools and building materials down to that. The same with any weird feelings. These weird things kept happening until they finished the building work, when everything calmed down again. However, about eight years later, things started to happen, By this point, our family had outgrown the house and my parents started building an extra bedroom at the back of the house. This was in the mid-2000s and was the first building work since the 90s and it brought back all the weird stuff from before and then some. While digging the foundations for this extension, they came across a little bundle in the ground. When they opened it, it was the carefully wrapped up bones of a dog that must have been buried by someone who previously lived in the house. And this is where things took a turn. Our house is creaky as heck because it's so old. But there would be unexplained noises upstairs when we were all downstairs. And then one morning, as I was opening my curtains, I was only six or seven at this point, I saw my granddad digging in the garden. Where my family is from is really, really rural. So proper flat cap trousers held up with a string country. My granddad had been a farmer before he retired, so wore flat caps and tweed trousers. And that was what the man in the garden was wearing. Our house used to be a farm, so our garden is essentially just one of the old fields and thus is pretty big. And where I saw my granddad was too far away to really see his face. So I went down into the kitchen and asked my mam why granddad was in the garden. She, quite rightly, looked at me like I had two heads and explained that he wasn't in our garden. He was at home because it was early. He also didn't come to our house at this time because my grandparents and my parents had fallen out and weren't talking. I was adamant anyway that he was in the garden and my mom asked me to describe the man, worried that a local farmer, and more importantly cows, were in our garden, which happens fairly often. So I told her and she and my dad checked but there was no one there and no cows. We just went about our day and sort of forgot about it for a few weeks. My village is one of those places where people live all their lives, so we knew everyone living there, and everyone who had left or passed away. One of these people is our neighbour, Moira, down the hill. She and my dad are distantly related and occasionally catch up on various cousins, etc. So one day my parents were talking to Moira, and they mentioned the man who I had seen from my bedroom window. I wasn't there for this conversation, but apparently Moira had simply matter-of-factly replied, Oh, that'll be Harry. Harry used to live in our house before he died. He loved gardening and was very, very proud of his house. And he bred dogs. 
My parents reburied the dog skeleton and everything stopped moving and going missing. But we still hear footsteps moving around the house whenever we do anything to the house. As where I live is so rural, there aren't any street lights or traffic lights. One night when I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I was terrified to see slow blinking lights outside the window. I rushed into my brother's room and got him to come to watch the lights, but he didn't know what they were either. He wasn't scared, but I was bricking it at this point. I was also an adult and after scaring myself shitless looking at UFO websites and catalogues of similar things, I went into my parents' room to wake them up. Absolutely terrified, I told them I thought there were aliens outside. My parents, furious, told me that there were temporary traffic lights down the hill because of the building work and to get the fuck out of their room. My brother still laughs at me for this and it was a good four years ago. Oh, laugh as they might, but you can never be too careful when it comes to aliens. And the one thing that we know is the ultimate weapon against aliens is knowledge and accepting that they exist and that will give you the upper hand. So Alice, I commend you for your bravery on that night. There are lots of paranormal experts, etc, etc, who say that building work disturbs spirits and entities. So it kind of makes sense that that would happen. How many times do we hear about stories where builders are doing work, tools are going missing, stuff's happening, weird energy about the place. It seems like it just stirs something up. But it is interesting that you physically saw him working on his garden, which seems like a residual thing, you know, that you um, saw like an echo of him in the garden or whatever. And you know what? Good on your parents as well for reburying the dog skeleton and just going, okay, we respect this, Harry. We're going to rebury it and we're going to be respectful of you. And that's all you need, really. And story number four comes from Jade. I've sent some stories over before, but just wanted to pick up on the sleep paralysis discussion as it's been coming up a lot in the podcast lately. And it always really freaks me out as I've written my experience off as just a scientific kind of anomaly that happens when I'm stressed and depressed and listening to everyone's stories makes me wonder if it's more than that. I've always had a sensitivity to what we call spiritual warfare in the church and as an empath with the ability to discern spirit, e.g. strongly pick up on demonic presence, I wonder if the sleep paralysis is just another way it presents itself. I get sleep paralysis a lot. It comes in blocks of time, I'll go months without it and then it happens almost daily, usually when I'm stressed and depressed. Your podcast episodes have now made me wonder whether negative spiritual energy is attracted to my state of mind rather than it being a symptom of it, if that really makes sense. You are so right that it does make going to sleep really scary. I nearly always wake up and see shadows in my room, convinced that something is there. In the past, I've heard whispering in my ear, but by far the scariest thing that happens is that I hear a low growling. It's not human, but it's also not animal, and it's so loud and continuous in my ear, like whatever is doing it is in my head. Terrifying. I wonder if anyone else has the growling. I'm pretty certain it's demonic. Your podcast stories have really got me thinking about this. I have a short story for you on the topic of discernment. I once went to view a flat with my then boyfriend to rent. It was in an area called Milton Regis in Kent which is notorious among the locals for being associated with the occult and has a really long and interesting history as an old royal manor area. The original courthouse still stands in the high street, which is creepy as hell. Sometimes I try and peek in as it was a museum for a time. We'd gone into this flat, which was a converted barn with a small courtyard outside, just off the high street. 
there were a few others viewing it that were keen to also rent it. As we walked in, I instantly felt a pressure on my head, like a really bad headache without the pain, and I just knew that something was really off about that place. I persisted and wandered upstairs to have a look at the bedroom, which had wonky floorboards and a low ceiling, as it was a grade-listed building, with the original beams, etc., and I love old buildings like that. After literally 10 minutes in the place, I felt physically sick and dizzy and I had to leave. I had the notion that things in that place would get nasty at night time. I have feelings like this that always come true, so I ran out of there. I felt dirty for having been in there. It's strange to describe, but when you get a sense for spiritual stuff like that, it almost sticks to you like a bad smell. I have no idea what on earth went on in that building, but I can tell you that it was demonic and nothing good. The area has a reputation for seances, so whatever it was was bad. Safe to say we didn't offer to rent it, and I wish whoever did the best of luck. After this experience... I went to a talk on healing at a Christian festival and the vicar giving the talk started listing signs that you may be in the presence of a demon. Dizziness, smell of sulphur and physical sickness were among them and it just affirmed that the experience I had was telling me more about the flat than I wanted to know. Another quick tidbit is that I recently visited an old pub in Yorkshire when staying with my friend. What is it about pubs? I walked in and instantly had the feeling of heaviness. I knew something was off. On the way back from the toilet, I asked the landlord, has anyone ever seen anything weird here? Things moving on their own, that kind of thing. And he said, yes, the pub was haunted. He said, you're the only one who has ever asked that without actually seeing anything. Turns out the chef had a hand put on his shoulder leaving the kitchen one day and a rocking chair in the hallway upstairs was always rocking on its own outside his bedroom, among other strange happenings. Guess my spidey senses are on point when it comes to the spirit world. I left in Jade's preamble about sleep paralysis in the beginning because I sort of think it's like important to mention the fact that I don't think all sleep paralysis episodes are bad spirits or inherently bad or evil. And I think that if it generally happens at a time where you're stressed or depressed or things aren't good, it is probably just sleep paralysis. It is probably just your brain working those things out. Because I think if you start thinking that these things are demonic then you inherently will worry about them an awful lot more and again I've always been quite clear that my belief in demons is scarce but I understand that other people of different faiths etc etc have a very strong belief in demons so I'm not trying to belittle your belief in demons but I do think that sometimes when we go to bed at night when we're stressed when we're depressed when things aren't going well for us our brain does pretty horrendous things To kind of give an example, I went through a phase recently of having these really, really horrendous nightmares and even talking about them makes me feel like I want to burst into tears and not want to ever go sleep again because I'm so afraid of them coming back. And these nightmares were unlike anything I'd ever experienced before. They were completely horrible. They, oh, they just, even speaking about them gives me the heebie-jeebies. But when I spoke to my therapist about them in kind of detail, then I was able to break them down a bit and understand why they were as horrific as they were and what things that were going on in my life were reflected in the dreams that I was having but in a completely obviously different narrative. I do understand and respect that everybody has different beliefs and opinions on things but I also don't want me or the podcast to be responsible for people worrying about demons being an active part of their life and being afraid to go sleep in case something demonic happens etc etc and it is hard to talk about that without sounding like I'm being really patronizing I'm not trying to be patronizing at all and I cannot express enough 
how much I recognize and respect the fact that people have different beliefs than I do. But in this instance, even if it's to sort of save your own sanity, I'd be working on the fact that it is a scientific anomaly that happens when you're stressed or depressed. On the uh, topic of sort of intuition and just sort of knowing things, I do think it's really interesting that people go into different places and have those instantaneous feelings where they think this place isn't right, this place isn't for me and good on you for going with those feelings. I definitely would have stupidly ignored it and been like, no, it's got lovely old beams. I feel like I might die in here, but the beams are nice, so I'll take it, which is never a good way to live your life. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Jennifer, to Shokin, I think, also known as Johan, to Alice and to Jade for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from February the 18th, 2022. If you would like to know anything about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, you can do so by checking out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. If you are desperate for more content, you can sign up to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and every main episode and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.